Romans chapter 3, this morning, uh, the title of the message is Justified, and, and we've been working through Romans uh, systematically the last several weeks. We've been just going kind of a chunk of text at a time. Uh, this morning, actually, we turned the corner to some really good news. The first, the first three chapters and, and the first several weeks of this series have all been somewhat negative in nature because Romans really begins by unpacking the fact that we as humans are broken, we're sinful, we are in dire need of, of saving, we are unrighteous in our sin, uh, we look at ourselves better than, than, than you know, anybody else or, or better than God looks at us, certainly, but God's Word reveals truly the extent of our depravity. And, and we've studied the last few weeks that you know, whether you were Jewish or Gentile through the Old Testament and even New Testament, the truth is we're all guilty. You know, the Jews had some privileges. When you read through the Bible, they had the Ten Commandments, they had the, the leaders, they had the kings, they had David, they had Solomon, they had the scriptures, but even all of that was just given to prove that they needed salvation. They needed a savior. None of those things could make them perfect in their sin. They needed to be redeemed. And and, and the Gentiles, you know, those that weren't Jewish throughout history, they didn't have all of those things. All they had was creation and, and their conscience. And, and that's still enough to show that, man, we're just broken as individuals. And so the last few weeks, we've really been kind of going through what the Word of God says about us. Thank God this morning we turned the corner. And so we pick it up in verse 20 with the verse, verse 20. And the first word is, therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. And, and we've just spent the last few weeks saying that even though God gave his perfect law, his perfect commandments, nobody could keep it. Nobody could keep it. There was only one that could keep it. His name was Jesus. And for the rest of us, the law, God's Ten Commandments, they were, they were a schoolmaster to make us realize that we're guilty before God. That's the, the lesson that the law teaches us. Verse 21 says, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. For there's no difference for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus, who, who God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith, listen, without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? That's a pretty important question because God did have a chosen people, right, in that Old Testament. Uh, is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? And the answer is yes. And thank God, every Gentile in here ought to say amen, yes, thank God. Yes, of the Gentiles also, seeing that it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision through faith, do we make void the law through faith? God forbid, yea, we establish the law. This morning, I'm, I'm going I'm to talk to us about God's righteousness, 
This morning, I believe this text points out justification. We're going to talk about justification. So we're going to do a little bit of heavy lifting this morning, okay? We are turning the corner into the good news of the gospel, and we're going to use some terms that the Bible uses. And so uh, I hope your pencils are sharpened and pens ready this morning because you have some some notes uh, to fill out because you want to understand what God's really saying in this passage. Uh, The first thing we'll study this morning is this, the reality of God's righteousness, We're going to talk about the reality of God's righteousness. And we just spent three chapters proving man is unrighteous, and God's Word told us that we can't be righteous by keeping the law. But God's righteousness is available. It is a reality because verse 21 tells us, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. And so the first key point is this. Look, we learned man cannot be justified by the deeds of the law. Man can't be justified by the deeds of the law. That word justified in your Bible means when we are justified in Jesus Christ, God looks at us just as if we had never sinned. That's what the word justified or justification means. We'll get to the definition in just a second. Well, I gave you the definition. Justified or justification literally means that we are declared righteous when we really aren't. It means that we are just as if we have never sinned. And so listen, God's God's righteousness is available, but it's not available through the law for us. It's only available through Christ. And we can be justified in Him. You know, the Word of God tells us that, 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 that this righteousness of God, verse 21, that's available without the law was manifested and it was witnessed. And you, you have to ask yourself the question, where is that manifest? Where is that witness? Where is this righteousness of God? Where was, it, where was it exposed for the world to see? Well, God exposed it through the scriptures, number one. And, and Luke chapter 24, verse 44 is one example. When Jesus was on, his, on the earth doing his earthly ministry, he said in Luke 24, verse 44, he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written, listen, in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning who? So, so God gave us clarity right there in Luke 24 that the, that the law, the, the, the writings of Moses, the Pentateuch, if you will, the first five books of your Bible, and the prophets and all of the Psalms really emphasize who? It's all about Jesus. I mean, listen, it all points to Jesus. And so the scriptures themselves manifested God's righteousness because all of the scriptures pointed to Christ. Paul in Acts chapter 26, when when he's preaching in verses 22 to 23, I just want to make the point out of this passage. He says, having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. Paul is just making the point that the law and the prophets all point to Christ. They are manifesting, they are exposing that the righteousness of God is in the person of Jesus Christ. But I want to I so in, in your blanks, I think you have a blank there. 
the law and the prophets witness of Jesus Christ. That, that goes in your blank. The law and the prophets, because he is the righteousness of God, manifest. So you have scripture that, that, that points to him. You know, Romans chapter 10 and verse 4, it's on the, it's on the screen, says that, that Christ is the end of the law, listen, for righteousness to everyone that believeth. So, so nobody can, can brag, nobody can say, man, I've kept the law, I've done everything that God ever would have required of the law. Nobody can do that. Because James tells us as soon as you break one part of the law, you're guilty of all of it. It's like if you got pulled over for a speeding ticket, but then all of a sudden you're guilty for like theft, murder, I mean, <laughs> I mean like arsony. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I didn't do all that. All I did was speed. No, because you broke the speed limit, you're actually guilty of every chargeable crime. That would be horrible, wouldn't it? Hammond, wouldn't it be horrible? Okay, anyways. <laughs> I have to talk to my chronic speeders right now. You are my people. <laughs> okay. So, that's the way the law was fashioned. God, God just fashioned it so that we would realize our guilt before God. And when we break one part of it, it makes us guilty of all of it. That's why the law can never make us righteous and just in God's eyes. That's why Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. Okay, so he is righteous. Now, you know, we, we can go to the scriptures and say, man, the scriptures all point to Christ and, and the law and the prophets witness that Christ is the righteousness of God. Well, there's another great story in one of the gospels, Matthew 17, that literally paints the picture of what we just said. Because in Matthew 17, it's the story of Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. How many of you remember that story? When Jesus goes up to the mountain and he takes Peter and James and John, and the Bible says after six days, which means that he did that on which day? If it was after six days, he did it on the, on the seventh day. On the seventh day, Jesus taketh Peter and James and John his brother and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart and was transfigured before them. What does that mean? Well, it tells you, his face did shine as the sun and his raiment was white as the light. I mean, it's like the glory of the Lord Jesus was revealed on that mountain. And behold, there appeared unto him Moses and Elias, who, who is the Old Testament Elijah. Elias is just the, the New Testament name for Elijah. So Moses and Elias are on that mountain. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. I, I just want you to understand that the scripture, the law, the Pentateuch, and the prophets and the Psalms all point to Jesus, and they are a witness that he is the righteousness of God. But in Matthew 17, you have a literal manifestation and a literal witnessing of Moses and in your blank, Moses is always synonymous with the law in your Bible. And you have Elijah or Eliza, Elias, and Elijah is always synonymous with the prophets. And on that Mount of Transfiguration, when Jesus reveals his glory and his righteousness, the two witnessing it are Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophets literally seeing the Shekinah glory and the righteousness of God. He is our righteousness. He is that righteousness. You know, 1 Corinthians talks about in chapter 1 and verse 30 that in Christ Jesus, 
He has made unto us, Christ has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That's who he is. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1, John calls Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ the righteous. And so that's who he is, man. The righteousness of God has been revealed in the person of Christ. And, and it's been witnessed by Moses, the law, and the prophets because everything points to him. Okay, so, so number two, then, if we pick up in verse 22, we're going to see the reach of God's righteousness. We, we see the reality of it. We see that it exists. We see that, man, God's righteousness really is embodied in the person of Jesus Christ. Well, well how far does that righteousness reach? Look back at verse 22. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. For we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Okay, so, so this righteousness of God, God's word tells us it's by faith, which means it's not by what, church? It can't be by works. Not by the deeds of the law. You know, that's how we measure success. That's how we measure righteousness. What did you do? What did you not do? right? And, and if we can get our good to outweigh our bad, that's how we measure it. God says it's only by faith. You only can experience the righteousness of God by faith. And I want to show you how far this righteousness reaches into this world. The righteousness of God, here's your key point, number one, is available unto all. God's righteousness is available unto all. All meaning all. All means all. And in our culture, man, of Christianity, we have some, dis some confusion and, and some false teaching on what the word all really means in the word of God. All means all. God's righteousness is unto all. It doesn't say unto the elect. It doesn't say to those that God has pre-chosen or pre-ordained. It says it is unto all. It can reach every man, every woman, and every child on this planet. It can reach an eight-year-old little girl that understands the gospel. It is available to all. The same all that, is available to, that it's available to is the same all that has sinned. Because verse 23 tells us that all have sinned, therefore Christ's righteousness is available unto all. But here's the kicker, it's only available and it's only upon all them that believe. You see, God's righteousness is available unto all, but it's only upon all them that believe. And God, God uses his words very precisely. God, God uses his words very accurately. Belief is the key that unlocks God's righteousness upon your life. And so in 1 Timothy chapter 4, listen, Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. That doesn't automatically mean that the world is saved. It's only those that believe in him. It's only those that believe in him. First John, or excuse me, First Timothy 4 and verse 10. For, for therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men. Well, he is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. You have to believe in Christ to save you from your sin. We'll get into this, this thing of justification in just a second, but, but man, God's righteousness is only upon you if you put your faith and trust in him. And it's only faith. It's not what you've done. It's not how, how much you've given to a church or what your attendance has been or how many good works you've done. It's, it's what he's done. 
on the cross of Calvary for us. That's what my faith is in. My faith is in His paid atonement for my sin. You know, the Bible says that we are justified freely in, in verse 24, justified freely by His grace. And so, in Revelation 21, it, it talks about Jesus Christ being the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He will give unto them that is a thirst of the fountain of water of life freely. Aren't you thankful for, for free salvation? Listen, we live uh, in a country that embraces this concept of free, and I'm going to say some things that, that maybe you need to pay attention to. We like free in this country. We want free college in this country. We want free health care in this country. We want free food in this country. We want free money in this country. And that's all fine. Justification is free. Because we are justified freely. But I want you to understand that it did cost something. And someone had to pay the price. Christ paid the price. Listen, he gave his life. He shed his blood. He, 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 he covered his glory. Somebody paid the price, and he did it by his grace because we did not deserve it. So we are justified freely by his grace, but there was a payment that was required. And so in your notes, you have a definition because redemption, redemption is the payment that was made to buy the sinner back from the wrath of God. That's what redemption really is. Redemption that's in Christ Jesus means that there was a payment that was made because there was a debt that was owed. What was the payment that was made? And we've already said it. Listen, the blood of Christ. Jesus Christ shed his blood to make the payment so that we could be justified just as if we had never sinned. And we get justified freely. You know, God uses these big words for a reason in the Bible. We need to have a clear understanding of justification. It's funny because all of them end in like I-O-N, salvation, redemption, justification, right? Those I-O-N words are really important in your Bible because they all have a doctrinal truth. And so if we understand that we can be justified freely, that means that we're made just as if we had never sinned, but we did it by God's grace, and we do it through the redemption that's in Christ. Well, what does redemption mean? It means that somebody else made the payment. He paid what was required because of our sin. Who knew no sin? You know, Ephesians chapter 1, and I, I encourage you, listen, in your Bible, uh, you know, we use the King James Bible at this church. We're not angry about it. We're not mad about it. We do have some strong beliefs about why we use this, but, but this is one of the points, this is one of the points where different versions of the Bible, you have to just pay attention, because the word redemption means payment that's made, and the payment that was made was through the blood of Jesus Christ. Well, in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7, the Bible says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, comma, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his Grace. And modern versions of the Bible will remove the phrase redemption through his blood. And the verse will read, in whom we have forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. In other words, forgiveness without a payment. 
forgiveness without what was required for my sin. You see, the redemption is always tied to the blood of Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 14. In whom we have redemption. How do we have it? Through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Redemption is not forgiveness. And forgiveness is not redemption. They are all tied into salvation. But they are certainly different. You can't have forgiveness unless there's redemption. And the only thing that can redeem us is the blood of Jesus Christ. And, and I find it very interesting, and again, I'm not trying to be an idiot, but I do find it very interesting that in modern versions, the blood atonement is one of the many doctrines that is attacked and removed. It changes the meaning. You know, Hebrews in verse chapter 9 and verse 12 tells us this, neither by the blood of goats or calves and calves, but by his own blood, he entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. That redemption was because he paid the price with his blood. And so listen, God, the righteousness of God can reach unto all. Because all are sinners, all are guilty. But it's only upon those that have put their faith and trust in him. And I'm thankful for that because, listen, somebody brought that message to me when I was a 21-year-old man and shared with me how I could be saved from my sin. And God's righteousness had been extended to me. And when I prayed and put my faith and trust in Christ, his righteousness was upon me. And I'm thankful for that. I appreciate what Cody said, man. At six years old, at eight years old, at 21 years old, it doesn't matter. I'm thankful for the righteousness of God that's able to reach me and every other sinner on this planet. Number three, the requirement for God's righteousness. All right, so look at verse 25. And again, these are, these are big words, but they're important words, and they're right words in your Bible. Verse 25, whom God hath set forth, and he's talking about Jesus Christ, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation. There's another one of those words. I-O-N. Redemption, salvation, justification, propitiation. These are English words, by the way. These aren't Greek. <laughs> He set him forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission. There we go. The remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and a justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Okay, so the next definition of your blanks is this. Look, propitiation literally means to appease what was required. You say, Jay, that sounds a lot like redemption. They are connected, and I'm going to explain it in just a second. Propitiation means to appease what was required for sin unto God. If you've been with us on Wednesday nights, we've been teaching through 1 John on Wednesday nights, and, and we actually spent a whole night talking about propitiation. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 2 says that Jesus Christ, he is the propitiation for our sins. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10 says that, that, that the Son of God was sent to be the propitiation for our sins. And so here's the difference between redemption and propitiation. In redemption, a payment is made. Redemption is the payment that's being made. Propitiation is the payment being received because that's what's required to appease God because of sin. 
And those two go hand in hand. It's satisfactory. It is sufficient. Christ is our propitiation because his shed blood was sufficient to pay the penalty for our sin. It was sufficient. And there's another word in there that's an I-O-N word that we have to pay attention to, and it's the word remission. Uh, because the Bible says that our sins are, are rem- they're remissed uh, for the remission of sins that are past. Well, the word remission literally means that that payment of, a, of propitiation has been applied to your account. In other words, you personally have experienced the remission of sin in your life. You know, Acts chapter 10 and verse 43 says this, to give him all the prophets witness that, that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. So the remission is the whosoever. And the question on the table this morning is, has your account been paid in full? Man, has your sin account before a holy and righteous God, the, the God that for three chapters has shown us his holiness and our brokenness and sinfulness? Has your account before a holy and righteous God been paid in full? And friend, the only way that can happen is it's paid in full by Jesus Christ, by putting your faith and trust in him. That's what salvation is. That's all it is. And I'm not minimizing that's all it is. It is that and so much more, but that's what it is. It's us having our sin penalty erased. God God talks about his forbearance, you know, the, the long suffering, the forbearance, the holding back, the endurance of God. I think God forbeared with humanity from Genesis chapter 3 to the cross. That's how long his forbearance was with our sin. And then he sent, he sent the one who was the propitiation and offered redemption through his shed blood. And you know that verse ends de- declaring that, that he might be just and the justifier of those that believe. That's who Christ is. Christ is the only one that's just. Acts chapter 3 tells us in verses 13 and 14 that he is the holy one He is the only one that is just. He is the one that justifies us if we'll just believe in him. That's awesome. Let's go to the last point. We're done because we've got to get to communion this morning. The result of God's righteousness. The result of God's righteousness. Pick it up in verse 27 again. So when you read through that passage, you know, the emphasis shifts from us in the first three chapters and how broken we are to all the things that Christ became for us. He, he allows us to be justified. He is the redemption. He is the propitiation. He offers us re- remission of our sin. The focus totally changes and now it's on him. What's the result of that? Verse 27, where is boasting then? <laughs> it is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Of course not. Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, seeing it's one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision through faith. Do we make void the law through faith? In other words, well, well, now that we are saved, man, is the law bad? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. You know, I think here's what God's trying to tell us as we wind this chapter down. The key conclusion is this. The first thing we need to realize is we can't boast in anything. We, a sinful man, can't boast in anything. Our boast should be in the Lord and the Lord alone. 
man, he's able to save me. He's able to wash me and cleanse me. He's able to use me. Listen, if, if, if anything that God does through any of us for his kingdom purpose sake is accomplished, he gets the glory for that. Seriously, man, if God lets you learn something through filling out some notes and listening to some redneck preacher, I mean, listen, <laughs> I'm not going to boast. Man, you, let's rejoice together in the Lord that God used, that God used me, that God uses you. Let's, let's rejoice in him. He, we can't boast of our salvation. We can't boast of our service either. Man, listen, Christ, and I just want to make the point, you know, he kind of ends that thing. Look, it, do we make void the law through faith? God forbid, yea, we establish the law. You know, a lot of people think, well, the law was bad. You know, there's this mindset in our Christianity that the law is bad. Listen, the law is scripture. The law is perfect. The law is God's word. Jesus Christ, Galatians tells us that Jesus Christ, when he came, he was made of a woman and he was made under the law. In other words, the law applied to his life. He's the one who wrote it, okay? So, you know, he kind of knew its details. Mark tells us that he didn't come to destroy the law, but he came to what? And he did. I mean, he's the only one that could, and he did. And that's why our boast is in the Lord. Listen, the scriptures, the law, the, the first five books of your Bible, don't rip them out and throw them away. They're good. They're holy. They're righteous. They're just. They enlighten our eyes. They are a schoolmaster. But there's so much more because they are God's word. Christ came and he fulfilled the law and, and he is the righteousness of God who was made under the law and walked perfectly according to it. And it's God's blood that was shed on that cross of Calvary. And because of that, that's why we can be justified. Acts 13 is where we'll close. Look at verses 38 to 39. So it says, be, be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, Jesus Christ, is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins, and that by him, listen to this, all that believe, and the all is all that believe, not some pre-selected, pre-elected few that will believe. It's all. All that believe are justified, made just as if we never sinned, and we're justified from how many things? all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Man, aren't you thankful for the Lord? You know, we, this came up in Sunday school and I appreciate it. I think Lyle made the point, you know, sometimes we get saved and, and we, we fall after we get saved. We struggle still in our flesh after we get saved. And we sometimes let the devil or our flesh or religion leverage those things back against us to discourage us, to, to keep us from wanting to keep moving forward in our walk with God. God says that we're justified because we believed on him. And he wants you to make sure that you are justified. He wants you to know you're justified from all things. All things. Not some things. Not the really bad things. Not the most frequent things. All things. And the, and the law couldn't do it. And man, the blood of Jesus Christ can. And I'm thankful for that.